1: Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And our busy week of podcasts continues. We've been releasing these on a daily basis. I hope you've been enjoying them. We've had a couple out so far. Tuesday night, so our podcast looking at the Whitecaps preparations going into Sunday's first kick look at the pre-season friendlies, Wednesday night's show, episode 441, was our Whitecaps season preview and bold predictions. And in this episode, we're going to be previewing both the MLS Western Conference, the MLS Eastern Conference, we're going to bring you some audio from coaches around the league, we're going to bring you some audio from players around the league. So a lot to pack into this, this one is probably going to be more than one hour, I can feel that now as we're recording this. So much to get through. We've got one more episode that we're going to bring you out this week. Tomorrow night, episode 443. Joe Deasy and Peter Hicken will be back with a Whitecaps Portland preview podcast and a couple of new fun games that they're going to have in the show as well. So all of that is still to come. But before we get to that, Regular listeners will know that at the start of our usual weekly show, we have been utilising Steve's gift that keeps giving. His 2020 Christmas present to myself and Zach It's a box of 2011 Upper Deck soccer cards. We've been opening a pack on each show. For the daily ones, we thought that was a bit much, so we've only done two packs on the shows that we've brought out this week, the second of which is going to be tonight. After that, we're going to have open six packs all together. And then on Sunday's live YouTube watch along for the Whitecaps Timbers game, Zach and me are going to pick our best 11 from the cars that we've opened so far. And then on a weekly basis, maybe monthly basis, we'll update it. Move people in and out of that starting 11 and just try and get the best team we can by the end of the year. Obviously, we'll all have opened our cars by the end of the year, so it'll be interesting to see... How are teams compare by that point? So let's get into this week's pack. Let's see what goodies we're gonna open up this time. Zach has got his helper Kirk with us again opening these packs. So let's see what we've got this
0: time. Kirk's very
1: goody. Let's go. I I just love this. I've got to say, when I opened the Scotland sticker pack on the the East Five podcast. It didn't go down as well with the guys. They didn't seem to, to grasp the whole visual side. Oh, that was a nice rip. Uh, can I go first this time, Michael? Yes, you can. I have from Sky Blue FC, number one keeper, Karen Bardsley. Oh, well, I'm going to from back to front, and I'm not mixing everything up this time, but I mean, classic, classic card. Some may call him a legend, because he is from... The San Jose Earthquakes. Oh, wow. He's a striker. Wando, He Wando. wears number eight. It's only the record breaker himself. Chris Wando Lofsky. He Look at he's going to jump in the crowd.
0: Yeah, he's celebrating with the Ultras. Yeah. The, the next card in our... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I've, I've seen the next card, and I've seen the one after that. Yeah, I've just seen what I've got coming up. This is exciting. This is the best pack so far. I think technically this uh, the first uh, well i can't remember it's the first official signing but uh, the first captain was
1: supposed to be the first dp jay de oh you finally got a white cap yeah i was all set to say by the end of this the white caps still not performing in 2011 the way we would have hoped well this is an interesting card for me he's from tfc i've already got his jersey card it's only dwayne de rosario Oh, nice! My cards tend to go downhill after this in this pack. I've got to say, one <laughs> door and Dero. What a start! Someone who, oh my goodness, this pack is unbelievable. someone
0: someone who did a, who's done a, a fair amount of marking of Dero over the years. Uh, before we had number six, now we have number eight. West Knight.
1: Oh, this is a fantastic pack. Well, it gets better, not better. It gets good. There's other good parts. Oh. Playing for Washington Freedom, Lini, oh geez, Lini Mike Shaland. Mike uh, my next is our my first
0: MLS Super Draft card. Uh, and it is uh, he's still active in the game. I don't, I don't I don't know if he moved the off season, but last year I can't remember now. But last year I think he was I think he did move. But anyways, he was at LA Galaxy last year, but he was originally drafted by DC. Someone, I think both of you have mentioned, you kind of wish had maybe been in Vancouver. Um, He's good on the field. He's good with the cookbook. He's Perry Kitchen.
1: Oh, you'll always find me in Perry Kitchen at parties.
2: Yeah, I would have have liked to see him instead of uh, Salgado, honestly. I thought he would have been a nice fit.
1: Well, I've got a guy that's been around the league for a while. He... This card, he's at LA Galaxy. He'd spent the previous two years at TFC. It's Chad Barrett. Cool.
0: My next card is a special one. It's... Uh, Jose he, Mourinho? No, I wish. I wish. Uh, he... Uh, um, he's current... Well, actually, I don't I think currently he's with LAFC. He uh, formed an army at one point in his life. Uh, it's the Philadelphia Union's Jordan Harvey. Oh, so oh, Future, future. Like, uh, Jada Merritt, West Knight, and Jordan Harvey. That's three out of four, in the back four. He, didn't he
2: join in 2011, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, during that season.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he joined in the summer. That's a fantastic pack. Well, I've got a Portland Timber, their first season in the league. Guy that had been with Chicago Fire, midfielder, Peter Lowry. Not really familiar with him, I've got to say.
2: No, I've I, I've heard of him, but I I think he might even picked in the expansion draft if I'm not mistaken.
0: Last for me, last but not least, I got another keeper. Um, this one might, uh well, probably be number two behind Pickens, for me. This is uh, Houston Dynamo's Tally Hall.
1: Oh, I always I always remind me of fox hunting, Tally Hall. <laughs> <laughs> but my last card. Sadly, it's, it's. I mean, I just, just Googled his name just now. He died in 2012. Wait, what? Yeah. It's the, the famous American 60s, 70s country singer Andy Williams. Oh, different Andy Williams. Different, different Andy Williams. Yeah, um, yeah sorry. Um, he's actually Toronto-born right yeah. midfielder Andy but Williams. Didn't he, did he play for Jamaica?
2: I think so. I no, he went that. off his
1: own accord. Yeah, he played. For, he had a, a, a good career, actually, in MLS. Columbus, Miami Fusion, New England, Metrostar, Chicago Fire, Real Salt Lake, and 2011 was actually his, his last year in the league. So, kind of died as a footballer,
0: I guess. In my six-pack was by far the most fruitful. Uh, Is that Jade the first six-pack
1: you've ever had in your life?
0: Jade Amerit, West Knight, Jordan Harvey, Perry Kitchen, Tally Hall, and, of course, er, Karen Bardsley.
1: I just want to show you as well. This is what I'm putting all the the cards in. You'll see this on our live YouTube thing. Okay, oh, okay. oh, nice! I this came when I ordered the 2018 FIFA World Cup stickers. They all came uh, loose in two of these packs. I just finished doing them this year.
0: I going to reorganize my own because
1: I have my mine in uh, team order. So I'm gonna oh have to... yeah, I've got mine in numerical order, and I've actually counted out the proper spots. So am I going to put West? Oh yeah,
0: very was anal. Cool. I- Am I going to put West, all my favorites in the team? I might have to
1: do two teams. Mm. Well, have a think about that because we've got football stuff to talk about, guys. We're going to be previewing MLS in this episode, mostly the Western Conference, but we will have a little bit look at the East as well. So it's going to be a busy show. Let's just get straight to it. Who have you got to win the Western Conference regular season? I will go with Minnesota. Funnily enough, I should have come in first. I've also gone for Minnesota.
0: Minnesota is a great show for the Western Conference, top place. It, it's hard not to see the Flounders. I guess my, I guess the top three, I think, are going to be Minnesota, the Flounders, and a resurgent uh, LAFC.
1: Yeah. Y- you kind of feel they have to do better than they did last season. But last season was just so weird just in general. And the points per game stuff. Clearly didn't help. Uh, what what about making the MLS Cup a Seattle making it three times in a row? Let's hope not. I don't
2: think so. I don't think that they like. I didn't think they had it last year. And playing against Columbus, I don't think they did. I don't know. They just got. I don't want to say lucky, but Minnesota really shat the bed. Yeah. Um. In that in that thing, and they Seattle. I don't even think they should have been in that final because they really didn't remember that opening kickoff if I'm not mistaken they just kicked it out of the end zone like they were playing a rugby touch or something like that like it was like weird what they were doing and they didn't seem to be in a in the right strategy or whatever they didn't really have the right setup uh, to go against Columbus so it was just odd to me I don't think they will make it this time I think the other teams are just too strong
1: I just have this feeling that they might Going with the experience, getting the job done again. Schmetzer seems to work his magic when it when it comes to to the playoffs. Hopefully they don't. I'd love it to be, I'd love it to be Minnesota if it's not the Whitecaps. Just because I, I really like what Adrian Heath's doing there, and we'll, we'll talk talk about them in a sec. But yeah, I I find it hard to to see a team dislodging Seattle because they seem to be able to get it done when it matters the most. That that's the thing. So. Eight teams made the playoffs last season. Now, of those eight, which were KC, Seattle, Portland, Minnesota, Colorado, Dallas, LAFC, and San Jose. Those eight can't make it this year because only seven teams make it from the West this year. So from those eight, and you can pick more than one, which of those teams aren't making the playoffs this year?
2: I have three. Um, I got uh, Colorado, Dallas, and San Jose. Those are the three that I see not making the playoffs.
1: I think that's a very, very good shout.
2: The other teams are strong. Say that again. Colorado, Dallas, and San Jose are the three teams I don't have making the playoffs.
0: Oh, from that list, yes. I, okay. Uh, yeah, Colorado for sure. San Jose, I think you're right. And what was the other one? Dallas?
2: Dallas, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. They, uh, B- Burial. Was it Barrios
1: left finally?
0: Um. Yeah, I I could see that. I think I think they're replaced, but oh, well, obviously. Well, replaced. yeah.
1: Like, that's what I was going to say. Because if if you're losing three, there's going to be two replacements. So who are the two teams then that didn't make the playoffs? So, so last year, Whitecaps, Galaxy, RSL, and Houston missed out. You've now got Austin as well. So there's five teams. So I I mean I kind of agree. I think Colorado, Dallas, and San won't make it. I, I I have
2: Galaxy and the Salt Caps making the um.
1: The playoffs. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Galaxy in Houston. I think it's Houston and the Whitecaps. I will I'll come to watch. Uh, uh, but honestly, I, th- I think it's the Galaxy and the Whitecaps for me.
0: Michael, you just think it Vanny needs more time to turn things around in
1: LA. I I think he definitely needs more time or an amazing summer transfer window. Because I I I spent a little bit of time before we did this tonight just looking at what the teams have brought in and stuff. And we'll delve into all of that shortly. We'll kind of have a a look at the Western Conference team by team. But I think one thing that is pretty certain is that it's going to be another tough campaign in the West. I think it's a very open conference. I think every team's capable of beating every other team. It's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. It always seems to be that in the West. And things seem to have got much, much closer So MLS had a number of different conference calls with various coaches from around the league this week, so I asked a couple of them, so I asked a few of them, just what they make of the Western Conference this year, how tough are they expecting it to be? So let's just play a little bit of audio now. First of all, we're going to hear from the team that won the West last year, Sporting KC's Peter Vermees, then we're going to hear from Seattle's Brian Schmetzer, and we'll round things off with LAFC's... Bob Bradley, the Western Conference looks wide open again this season. It looks like it's going to be a, another tough campaign for you. You're defending first place. What are you expecting in the West this year?
3: Yeah, I think I think you said it's it's not just wide open, but it's a it's a very competitive. Uh, there's 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 not in Major League Soccer. There's not an easy game. Um, you know, it's 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 there's so much parity in, in in different ways. Um, sometimes it's the it's the travel. Sometimes it's the climate. Sometimes it's the altitude. Uh, sometimes it's just a congestion of schedule. And so, as, as as I try to tell a lot of players that come to this league, or if we're interested in a in a foreign player coming to this league, I always tell them off the bat. I said, "Look, if you think you're coming to this league for a vacation, um, you, you shouldn't come here because it, it's not that type of league. Our league is very difficult. It's very physical. It's a very fast." paced league. Um, And so you have to be ready for it. And then you have to be ready for all those other things that I talked about, you know, the travel, the climate, the altitude, um, all of those things, congestion, of schedule, what have you. And then you take that the teams are really good. Um, uh, Coaches have very good ideas, very good models of play in which they they want to achieve their success with. And so each week is a different challenge and you have to be ready for it. Um, Staffs have to be ready for it to find ways in which they can break teams down. Uh, uh, Players have to find um, not only ways in which uh, they can be successful, but they have to be consistent at it. Um, and then you take, hey, it's, it's just a difficult conference. Um, you got some really, really big time teams in it and you have to be on top of your game on a regular basis. So for us, it's, it's you know, it, it's cliche, but for sure it's one game at a time, um, no doubt. And, and, and the other piece too is, is that you have to understand that it's, it's a long season. And you have to you have to know that you're in a marathon, you're not in a sprint, and you have to you can't lose yourself. Uh one of the coaches I played for always had a great statement, right? The highs can never take the highs too high and you can never take the lows too low. You gotta kinda keep yourself in in the environment, keep yourself competitive, and that's what we'll try to do like we always do.
1: Hi again, Brian. I, I just wanted to ask you about the the Western Conference this season. It's always competitive, it's always close, it's always tight. The teams that didn't make it into the playoffs last year, some of them's made some big additions. What are you expecting from the conference this year?
4: Dogfight. I mean, you, you look up and down the West Coast, uh, you look a little bit further inland. I mean, they're all good teams. Look what Robin did with Colorado last year. I mean, that's tremendous coaching. Uh, Mateus in San Jose. Bob, obviously, Greg. I mean, again, Greg and I have a little bit of a history back and forth, Seattle and Toronto. There's so many good teams and good coaches uh, in MLS and certainly on the Western Conference. Uh, it's it's going to be a dogfight. Every game is going to be competitive. And I think that's what the league wants. I think that's good for our sport. If, if the level is being raised every year, I think that just makes the games better. So kudos to you know, the decision-makers at the top. Kudos to the teams that are adding players. And, you know, certainly we want to always put ourselves in that top tier of clubs in MLS.
1: Hi there, Bob. I've asked a, a couple of coaches in the West this today. What are you expecting from the Western Conference this season? It's always a close, competitive league, but there's teams that didn't make the playoffs last year that seem to have invested really heavily this year. Branch Schmitz had described it as going to be a dogfight. Just curious for your thoughts on it.
5: I always go into every season to see what teams look like. Now teams now. I think that's uh, one of the positive aspects of the league. And so uh, until I see teams play regular season games, it's hard to comment too much, but uh, it's always exciting as we get started to see what everybody's all about.
1: So some thoughts on the West there from SKC's Peter Vermees, Seattle's Brian Schmetzer, and LAFC's Bob Bradley. So let's dig into the, the teams now on a individual team-by-team basis. So we had been talking about Greg Vanny and LA Galaxy just before we played the audio there. So let, let's kick things off with them. I mean, having a look at, at what the Galaxy have done just now, 10 guys have gone out and 11 guys have come in. I guess a, a couple of well-known ones, maybe they're two big additions, Villafania from Portland, Victor Vasquez, the, the former TFC guy that's played with Vani before. They've brought in a goalkeeper, five defenders, four midfielders, and a forward. They didn't take up the loan option for Christian Pavon, which surprised many people, but the fact that he was just charged with rape in Argentina in March was potentially a... a a good decision by them. It was for an incident that happened in 2019. So, I mean, folk were like, why, why did they not bring him back? So maybe they knew that, that was hanging over them. Now, the Galaxy finished 10th last year. Six wins, four draws, 12 defeats. Their 46 goals against was the second worst in the West. I don't think they've improved enough defensively to to make them a playoff team which is why i haven't got them going in and i think Vanny's going to need if you look at how he struggled when he first came to tfc really it's only when he started really really splashing the cash that kind of tfc turned it around and i'm a fan of Vanny. i like what Vanny did there i don't think he's going to do it in one season with I, the galaxy
0: i don't know i disagree though but i think they've improved at fullback they have some better fullbacks they brought in i think they've improved a keeper i don't think bingham was a, a great keeper and uh, I think if he's healthy, Vasquez could could can be a difference maker. Uh, now I know his one year in Toronto was his best year ever, like ever, ever. But uh,
1: does he still I, have it there?
0: Well, but I think I think Vanny's going to shape things around him uh, a little bit, uh, providing he's fit. And I think that that could be really uh, I, I don't know. I, I can see them making the playoffs. Hmm. Like Jorge Villanueva from Portland, I think is a good a good player to broaden in. Uh, they brought in former Flounder O'Neil Fisher, Fisher, who's also, I think, uh, often plays fullback. Um, and then, yeah, Vasquez and uh, Jonathan Bond uh, from West Brom. I, I think, I think those are four yeah. solid pickups. And you got some homegrown, some
1: homegrown guys in there as well. I mean, what do you think, Steve? Do you think Vanny can do it all in one year? You, you seem to think he can.
2: Yeah, I think he's got the pedigree to turn things around. He's like
1: I would compare him to like a Bruce
2: Arena type, uh, where he could bring players in. I honestly gave him no shot in TFC of doing like, and he he was able to quickly get. Now, obviously, there they had might have considered a better base uh, compared to what they did, but I see the. I just see them having a better uh, support group and everything in Vanny, where the players can actually get a system going and be able to bring them up into those thoughts.
1: When Vanny was appointed as the the TFC head coach, there was a lot of pressure on him. He was going to a team that had not made the playoffs in any of their first seven seasons. His first season there, he didn't make the playoffs either, despite the money that, that was being spent by the team. But Vanny spent seven years in Toronto. In that time, he took them to three MLS Cups. He won one of them. He took them to within a bow hair of winning the CONCACAF Champions League. He, he did so well with that team and he, he built them up so well. Now he's gone to a, a team that he used to play for. They've won multiple MLS Cups. They're in a market that demands success. Is he feeling the pressure again or a different kind of pressure? Let's find out from the man himself. Hi there, Greg. Good to to chat to you again. We've seen what you've done in Toronto the, the past few years, how you built that team, took them to the playoffs for a first time. There was a pressure when you went there to get the team to be playoff contenders, and you did that. Do you feel a different kind of pressure in LA now? Because it's a team with such a storied history that's trying to get past back to past glories Uh,
6: for me personally I i feel this the same pressure and the pressure for me always is to is to win championships it's to win trophies it's to uh to ultimately be successful it's to try to to find ways in still what is a relatively young league to push our franchise to the top so that other franchises are trying to emulate what we're doing because we're, we're all still defining ourselves at the highest level and so that's our ambition every single day and toronto it was the ambition and now here in la uh, i think we have incredible resources and support uh, from from the top and through our management We've got good players and more players coming in and so that's every single day that that we approach it's with that goal and ambition in mind and that's the culture and environment we try to create and the only way we get to those things that the winning championships and doing that is uh is getting through the process and working every day in the right way and um, and those things start to take care of themselves if you do all the little things well so that's my energy and my focus is on that and trying to do what I can every single day to keep uh, pushing the the galaxy franchise uh, forward and and to the highest level the things that I can control and working with those around me to so that we're all on the same page and that we're all we're all efficient and trying to achieve uh, our goals so that that for me is always the ambition and and I will always put the most amount of pressure on myself more than anyone can around me can put on me and uh, I'm nervous when I come into training every single morning because I want to make sure that the guys feel like the training session had m- massive value for them and that they got something out of it so I approach every day that way that I'm, I'm you know I don't feel any more pressure that we have we need to win championships or anything I think that's just a part of how we approach every single day
1: so Greg Vanney there always feeling pressure even feeling the pressure when he turns up at training that's what you want to hear from a coach You want a coach that's challenging himself to do better, constantly do better. He's coming to the Galaxy now with a a great body of work under him, to to be honest. What he's done at TFC, I know they spent money, but he's built a great solid footing there, even down to the academy, and you're kind of already seeing the after-effects of that this season with what Chris Armas's men have done in the CONCACAF Champions League with basically the same squad that Greg Vanni built. And I guess tied in with how successful the Galaxy are going to be this year, how successful Vanni is going to be, is what can Vani do to unlock Javier Hernandez? Chicharito last year just had such a disappointing season. He He played in 12 games overall, only seven of those were starts. He mustered just two goals, no assists... And only 7 shots on target for the entire season. It's not what they expected when they splashed that large amount of money on bringing him in. We know what he's done in the past. We talked about it on the show before that in recent years though he just has not been performing at the top level that, that we know he can. And he certainly didn't show that last year. He doesn't need us to tell him that. All the media have been telling him that. It's something he's acknowledged He did an interview with the LA Times where he spoke about being at rock bottom and he's been very open about that, very open about his struggles and he was also very open this week on one of the MLS calls. I just want to play a little bit of audio from it because I I think it's an important thing to discuss, I think it's an important thing to, to have in the open, just about the struggles that these players do have when they're living their lives in the public spotlight. Here's Chicharito.
7: You know, I read your interview with the, with the LA Times and you spoke about reaching rock bottom. And that's something that's very real and something that's difficult to talk about. But it's something that every person at some point in their life, you know, especially in this last year, kind of has to go through. You know, people deal with sadness and loneliness and grief and all that. And obviously, you know, when you're someone like yourself, you're kind of dealing with it while also being on TV every week and with millions of social media followers and comments and everything like that. You know. With that said, you know, first of all, how are you on a personal level? You know, how's life? How are things? And no, I'm great. as a professional, I'm great. Athlete, as a professional yeah. athlete, how important is it to kind of talk about those sort of things and emotions that people sometimes overlook because they just want to see you playing soccer?
8: Yeah, I think I think uh, and thank you for bringing this subject that that I'm very like into it and I believe a lot. But I think it's it's coming on not, not only for the soccer athletes; it's coming from you guys too. You know, because I think the narrative of 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 ourselves is is in your hands sometimes, and it's in my hands, for example, right? Because I can pose something that is very vulnerable, and if you twist it, it cannot have the same impact like, like, like your question right now. So I think uh, what you said, that is, that is a subject that is very difficult to talk, that is difficult. I hope one day we can normalize that, that, that it doesn't matter how much fame you have, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter how much success you have, in the superficial way it doesn't matter nothing about it you you're just still a human right you are not more or less than any human being in this world it doesn't matter so i think that's a world not, not only of of us in a way i'm speaking us because i don't want to separate it myself from, from 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 the humans all around the world but i mean like sport athletes and what your job has a lot of, like you said a lot of engagement in social media a lot of, of of impact in your words a lot of like kind of responsibility i think we shouldn't ask for perfection because perfection doesn't exist. That, that's what makes us incredible. That we are humans and we are not perfect. And every, each day we can improve. Each day we can learn. Each day, like you said, it we go through very difficult things every single day. It doesn't matter Diffic- Difficultness and difficult things never gonna stop in your life. When you try to reach like like a flat, happy place, that, that that's not life. It's like it's like it's like soccer. It's like jobs. You know, you always want to to bring. Uh, an improvement in yourself, you know, in an emotional way when you're a dad, when you uh, are, are with a family, when you are with friends, when you are with a couple, when you are uh, with your boss, when you are the boss, when you are posting things like life is like that. that that's the interesting part of it. Like you can keep knowing yourself every single moment. And sorry that I keep like speaking more that than another questions, but that's, that's a subject that I'm trying to do in a way in interviews in my social media. My social media is easier because I don't have no one to ask me. But thank you specifically because I don't want to, to, to say that, that you do the better job than the other guys that have been asking me. But I think I hope, I hope one day we can normalize ourselves that we are humans, right? We are humans. It doesn't matter. Being here in this position doesn't mean that I have more value than, than, than yourself, guys, or than any other person working here in the stadium or whatever. We're just human. And so we go through a lot of stuff. We're going to keep going through stuff. But the most important thing is like we can see ourselves as a human that we want to push ourselves doing stuff. We want to do what what we are passionate about it. But we shouldn't ask perfection, you know, for ourselves because we are humans in the end. I'm not a robot. I'm not perfect. No one is going to do it. So that's the funny thing. And that's the, the paradoxical thing in this life. And that's the incredible thing that you always can know yourself and you can improve and you can grow.
1: Chicharito there just chatting about the the pressures to perform the pressure on him and there is pressure on him because of what he's done before will we see a much better Javier Hernandez this year in MLS you have to think that if the Galaxy are going to do anything then they need him to have an outstanding season down there but enough of the Galaxy we're going to stay in Los Angeles though as we turn our attention to their cross-city rivals, LAFC. I mean, we talked about we, we're expecting LAFC to, to be much better this time around. They were seventh in the West last year. They've only brought five players in, and one of them is a homegrown goalkeeper. So they've brought in two defenders. They they got Farfan in from the Timbers, Kim Moon-Hwan from Korea, and they've brought in two forwards. They, they experienced Corey Bear from RSL, and then just a, a guy from India 11, Cal Jennings. So, I mean, not a lot of huge additions for LAFC. But this is a, a team that's already stacked. You've got Vela, you've got Rossi, you've got all the other guys that's been doing the, the, the business. Eight guys have moved on, including Bradley Wright Phillips. And they didn't take up the, the loan deal for Brian Rodriguez. You still have to feel the firepower is there. We've spoken before, though, that defensively they've kind of been a little bit of a, a mess at times. Can they solidify that enough to to be at the top? Is it going to be another case of like doing well in the regular season and then as soon as they get to the playoffs that they, they struggle? My concern is that
2: definitely their back end. Like I, other than Jordan Harvey, I don't recognize anybody on as a defender on their team. Like yeah. Farfan, a little bit. Uh, Blackman was a draft pick, uh, but other than that, I. I don't, really don't know who they brought in, um, and it, it's just a matter of whether they can outscore teams and how well Vermeer and Goal and uh, between the sticks can handle, you know, the the pressure that's going to be put on them. So it's just a matter of that. I think probably their their most valuable defender is going to have to be Mark Anthony K, uh, because he's going to be able to he has to help out that defense and where he sticks around at the back end.
0: Yeah, I I uh, I don't know a lot about Kim Moon Hwan but uh, if he can play a significant role for them, uh, turning their defense around, that would be um, be really helpful. I think Corey Baird could could be a player that does some damage for them. Uh, when you think about how the contributions of Bradley Garrett Phillips and kind of like uh, when there's so much attention being played to uh, paid to Vela and um, Rossi, when there's so much attention being played to those two players, I think Corey Baird is a person, whether starting or coming off the bench, could make some like, significant con- contributions and i agree with steve if mark anthony k is in top form i think he can help lead a team and uh i i think i, I really think they're gonna have a bounce back-, back regular season what happens in the playoffs that's a little bit more of the lottery that
1: everyone wants to be a part of well talking of mark anthony k I-, I agree with steve i think it's going to be a very big season for mark an important season for mark and a- I think he's just going to be such a a key piece of this LAFC side this year. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Hopefully he can get the business done for LAFC. Let's hear a little bit from the man himself. Hi there, Mark. Good to to speak to you again. I just wanted to, to touch on you being away with Canada. Obviously, it's going to be a busy year for you at club and at country level how much better prepared for the season do you feel though being away having these competitive games under your belt with the national team and kind of a second part of that how difficult then is it going to be to switch between all the games between lafc and canada the different mindsets the different tactics and, and everything in that that you're going to need to bring this year
5: yeah no i think uh you know earlier this year the, the the two camps uh, with Canada have definitely set me up well um, for the beginning of the season and for preseason with LAFC. Um, you know, games are are crucial to player development, and the fact that I already have, you know, obviously I only played in the in the second one, but having 90 in a competitive match that means something under my belt is it, it's good, and I'm able to take that confidence from that game and use it here at LAFC um yeah it's going to be a busy year like you you said obviously and i think the the top footballers in the world figure out ways how to deal with uh these busy international schedules and busy league schedules so if i ever want to see myself as as one of those players in the world then i need to figure out a way to deal with it the coaching staff here are very good at understanding what goes on at canada stays at canada and then Canada is the same way, so um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year, it's an exciting year with a lot of football, but um, yeah, it's all positive things nothing, uh, it's good problems to have
1: LAFC and Canadian national team midfielder Mark Anthony Kaye there speaking on one of the MLS Media Week calls this week, and one of the other things he actually mentioned on that call was his desire to eventually go and play in Europe so, I mean, you feel That he's got the talent. He needs to kind of show it. The whole team needs to kind of show it this year. There's a lot of pressure on them to to deliver a better showing in the playoffs. And I think Mark will feel that as well. So let's just see what they can bring. But you have to fancy them to do much better than they did last year. I I, I guess let's just stick in California very quickly. I mean... we all feel San Jose's not going to make the playoffs that they're going to drop out. They were eighth last year, they they just sneaked in. Now, because of that, I've been surprised because again, not much happening with San Jose. It was the same last year. Two big pieces have moved on as well. Nick Lima's gone to Austin, as has Danny Huson. They they've brought four in and like none of them kinda of jump out at you as being maybe the difference makers. Maybe Maybe Javier Lopez, who who's on loan from Chivas, he's twenty six. I don't know. It's it's a strange one. I thought they'd be a lot busier. I don't feel they've got anywhere near what it takes to, to be competitive this year. Yeah, I was
0: surprised that that both they let both those players go to Austin. I thought Nick Lima uh was someone who was quality for them. Uh, obviously, they lost him in the expansion draft, but I was a little surprised that they would leave someone of that quality available. Maybe there's some contractual stuff there. I'm not aware of, but um, I th- think Lima is going to be a big loss. Uh, Denny Hosten, uh, I think, it was a quality contributor for them. Not always the number one choice, but I think was was uh, was good. And again, also t- also taken uh, my notes say uh, in the expansion draft. Um, yeah. So I, I think I think uh, they're going to miss those guys, and you're right, Michael. The guy, the, the few players they brought in don't look to necessarily match up to that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting what happens. If I remember correctly, their season also kind of nosedived a little bit last year when the um, e- Erickson, when Erickson left, right when Erickson went back to Europe, um, and they, again, it seems like they haven't replaced him. So uh, those are
1: all reasons why I don't think they're going to. They, be they were very up. up and down as they have been the last couple of seasons. I I I just don't see it, and I guess you agree, Steve.
2: Yeah, the, I. It's just a matter of that the uh, you really have to have a lot of confidence in their coaching, uh, their their coach, whether he can really get these guys uh, elevated. I like a lot of their players, like Espinoza. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. But it's just, and I agree with Zach with the fact that Eric losing Erickson um, really turned them uh, into a lower, a lower level team at one point. Like I. You'd love to see think that Wanda Laske's can still have that magic, but he is getting older.
1: I know um, you have to wonder whether he can have the kind of season that he had last year. Which I mean, even that surprised the hell out of me because folk were thinking he was going to hang his boots up, but he's still going.
2: Yeah, the the one guy that I don't know, I can't remember if you guys mentioned it, but Judson, uh, the Brazilian. Hmm, I think yeah. he he could be a, a, a catalyst to them, but other than that, it's I don't see anything. That's really standing out to me on their side. And it's just a matter of whether if their coach can get these players into a elevated position where they can see players that we don't recognize and maybe they actually become better players.
1: Now, we're not going to go into every single team in depth, so so don't worry about that. But there are a right, couple I, more that, that we're that we're going to do. So, we
2: spent all day yesterday looking at them. Oh, well, we, we... can't. I was going to
1: lump them yeah. together. I was oh, going to lump them together and, and bitch No, no, no me. worries. Uh, I want to go to sleep. So uh, SKC, Johnny Russell FC, first in the West last year, third overall in MLS. They've brought in seven. They've let six go. 12 wins last year, so they were impressive. Four of the seven that they've brought in, though, are homegrowns. Of the others that they've brought in, 25-year-old French midfielder, defensive midfielder, Remy Walter. He's played for Nancy, he's played for Nice, he's been capped at under-21 level, and a 29-year-old French centre-back, Nicolas Issamat Mirren. So, he's got great experience. He's played with PSV, he's played with Besiktas, Toulouse. I mean, he's hopefully feeling that he's not coming to KC to lose, and he's hoping to, to be there to win. Solid additions for an already solid team. I mean, they're they're going to be there or thereabouts. We're all wondering how they're going to recover
0: from the loss of Eric Hurtado. Aside from that, <laughs> aside from that though, this would be, I think, the second year in a row where they're moving on from a really significant, solid uh, leader and contributor from their backline in Matt Beazler. Yeah, uh, going going to Austin, and so we'll see if uh, the gentleman you mentioned, Michael, uh, who was it? Was it Nicholas? What?
2: Yeah, I I feel like they surrendered yeah. Apara and um and Biesler too easily to opposition teams. So hopefully bringing this French center back in will
1: turn that around. And um, I fancy them for second or third in the West. I've got to see.
0: Yeah, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they how they get if if they're able to overcome that because Beesler is like he's a like a local guy, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And been there his whole career, and you kind of thought he would end his career there, but in MLS with a cap and or the salary budget and how that what makes it hard. Um, So Zuzi, I guess is still around, but he, but Beezler is now gone. So that's, that, that is going to be massive, but uh, whatever you think of him, uh, I know we used to taunt him back in the day. Vermees, actually, Michael, I was looking through my old albums and I found uh, I have some Peter Vermees U.S. U.S. men's national team cards. Oh wow. I'll show you some time. Um, they're actually at my office. Um, but um, he, whatever you think about him, he has always done a really good job at uh, having everyone in the organization, everyone in the squad, know their style of play and and, and playing it. Um, and so I think, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like they, I can't see them being like outside the top like three. And I know yeah, if, I... They, they dip below that, but I, I really think and... they'll be like the top three team.
2: And I don't think I don't I can't remember how many goals Polito had last year but I I, I think it wasn't that much that many um if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he I, didn't
1: I, uh, he didn't quite set the header alight I think the way that a lot of teams exporters expect him. To. I mean he did well. Yeah. I'm just looking
2: at how many he's only he only scored 6 goals last year but in 12 appearances. Same as Cameron, so Yeah, so in less appearances. Yeah, uh, so it's about half a goal a game again so maybe that was like 17 over a yeah.
1: season.
2: So but but overall, I, I I think they have the 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 base. It's just a matter of they're very similar to LAFC, where they seem to willing to let go of the back end and and in uh, in return for a more stronger attack.
1: Now, obviously, I can't have a, a show where we're talking about sport in Kansas City without bringing you a little bit of audio from Johnny Russell. So here you go. Uh, hi Johnny, it's obviously been a bit of a weird year. Can you just kind of talk a little bit about what that past year has been like for yourself, but also how much are you looking forward to the coming season? Where there's a bit more normality, you're going to get a chance to play teams that that you didn't actually get to play last year.
9: I mean, last year was it was difficult for everyone, not just us. I think you know everyone suffered. Um, we were lucky enough that we managed to to get somewhat of a season or. Although it wasn't a season that we were used to, and you know, you just had to adapt it. You had to make adjustments. We didn't get to play everyone. We we're playing a lot of the same teams, so it became a bit sort of familiar. But like you said, this year is going to be different. We're going to play you know, a lot more. Um, hopefully, we can we can have a normal season. Hopefully, we can get fans back in, in all the stadiums as soon as we can as well. And yeah, it's been feels you know a lifetime ago that we were that we were in Vancouver for that game um but yeah just on the whole a uh, bit of a bit of a weird year on that front um and you know glad it's glad it's behind us and we're looking to you know a different sort of season this year
1: Johnny Russell there actually I asked him that question pretty much a year to the day That he had been up in Vancouver for that season opener last year. Didn't get a chance to use it until now. But as he says, that certainly seems a lifetime ago. But he's he's looking forward to getting a little bit of normality back this season. I think we all are. One bit of note as well. The KC players and staff have all been vaccinated as well. Which is a, a big boost for them. They seem to have done things very, very well in KC hopefully it won't be too long before all the other teams around MLS have had their vaccinations as well including the Whitecaps let's move to the mountains the Whitecaps fellow mountain men RSL and Colorado I'm going to lump them both together because we all felt neither of them were really playoff teams RSL last year they just had five wins They've brought in eight. They've let eight go. They were second bottom in the West. They had the lowest goals for last year at 25. And looking at who they've brought in, they've brought in three forwards that is what they're hoping is going to get those goals up. I guess that's their key if they do get them up. Rubio Rubin, who's got experience in Europe and in Mexico. He's 25 years old. He's had seven U.S. national team caps. Bobby Wood, if he could, but he can't. He's a 28-year-old, spent all his time in Germany, 45 US caps so far. And Anderson Julio, who's a a winger from Ecuador, who could be an exciting prospect. If they can put it together, do you give them a a chance or still not hopeful for them?
0: Bobby Wood's coming from hot as foul. Uh, Yeah, I don't think... I, I I mean he could, I mean yes he could light up MLS but I don't I don't. That's a I different don't. level to what he's been playing. Yeah, he's been in the the second Bundesliga though. Um, oh, has he? Yeah, Hamburg
1: man. They're they're. I thought they were, I see. I thought they were. I thought they were in the main Bundesliga. But they
0: were the only team to play in every Bundesliga season. But since going down, they haven't been able to come back up.
1: He wasn't actually meant to be joining up with RSL until the, the summer, the kind of the end of the, the German season. But Hamburg announced this week that he could just leave now, which I don't know if that was just them being really nice or if that's just kind of telling us to to what input they thought he was having for for them the, this season, but he's going to be joining now sooner than expected. starts to go through quarantine and stuff, but they're going to have him earlier in the year than they first planned for.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, there's nothing really on their roster that excites me. They've lost some players too, that were uh, big players for them in the past, like Corey Baird Obviously we talked about him uh, going to LAFC, um, but uh the only guy I see that you know is recognizable is Krylach and Rusnak, and it's all depending on if that those players can play. The, and I think even I think if I, because they were so de- dearth at, at striker that they even played. I putting Krylach at striker, and it wasn't a good fit for him. Um, so if they are able to bring other strikers in, maybe they could put him in a normal his normal position in the midfield.
1: I have liked Krylach though. and he, he t- it's just something about him that he can just explode in games and and have a great yeah. showing. But yeah,
2: he, he scored eight goals. But the thing is, he's not a striker. He's a more of a midfielder. And so, if he can provide eight goals from the midfield and have some other guys scoring more goals at striking positions, I think they do have a chance then. But I don't know if they have enough time to put this all together.
1: Colorado I think we can probably quickly gloss over them they were fifth last year the whole points per game thing worked in their favor they did have a great run after all their positive Covid tests they've brought in six guys but four of them are homegrowns one's a draft pick and the only other player they've brought in is Michael Barrios the midfielder from Dallas I don't see that that strengthened the team I know Robin Fraser did well with them last year but I see them dropping quite considerably this year
2: yeah, I'm not they're a team that I well, we didn't get to see too much of because they didn't play very much last year because they were missing a lot of games, like you said. Um, so yeah, Barius might have something, you know, uh, on the wide areas, but overall they're a team that seems to be a patchwork type team. Uh they do have Acosta, um and and obviously former White Cap Nicholas Mosquita. Um the the guy that is interesting is Cole Bissett. And I don't know, like he's been uh, a young player for a while there, homegrown, and they have big thoughts on him. But I don't know if he can elevate himself that quickly.
0: If you're not—you haven't mentioned that the fact that two things: one, they lost Declan Wynn. Yes. Yeah. Two, two—they've signed Yaya Toure. Oh wait, no, it's a homegrown player named Yaya Toure. Sorry,
1: oh, I was yeah. like, have I missed a big news story here? Yaya Toure signed. Oh, okay, a homegrown, homegrown, yeah.
2: Well, one thing I will say that uh, with uh, Kamiri going down to um, San Antonio Antonio and everything else, they Mm -hmm. have a chance for the best hair in MLS with uh, (laughs) Lalas Abu Bakbar or whatever.
1: Abu Abu
2: Abu Bakkar. Bakkar. yeah. I think all three of us
1: murdered that name there. Yeah, he had had
2: the best uh, hair in MLS probably.
1: Well, let's move down to Texas where Jasa Kamiri has done. So you've got Austin coming in. What do you expect from them th- this season? Competitive, down the bottom? I think they'll be all right, all right. Nice,
0: Steve. <laughs> nice. The film came out, like, the year I think I graduated from high school. In and around there. Um, so I, do you I, think they will be all right, all right, all well, right? I do I do think it's always so hard. Yeah. Because uh, when you look at some of the players they're brought in, like Alex Ring, um... Di- uh, Diego Fagundes, Matt Beisler, Kikuda uh, uh, there's, good- there's a few good... Danny Hosen. Danny Hosen, Nick Lima.
1: There's some good... There's some quality players there. So, Gallagher. I, they've been competitive I think- preseason. I like the... They've done well against Dallas, Houston. They beat San Antonio. They got Ben Sweat. Um, no, I think... I think one of the things I
0: feel bad for them is they is Like all clubs, I guess, but is they're not going to get the play in front of their like their supporters. Like, that's one of the biggest... But, part... but they are. It's Texas. They're they are. It's Austin. Oh, right.
1: Oh, okay, then, yeah, I think they're going yeah, to... Yeah, they're a... opening it up. There's even going to be away fans at the Texan derbies.
0: Oh, my goodness. Forgot it's a different world down there.
1: <laughs> was, was it true that the baseball games were, like, selling out to like,
0: capacity? Yeah,
1: the first one was a full stadium. Oh, my goodness. Was it 70-odd thousand or something? I saw oh. that, and I... Were you I sick? literally, yeah. Like, we've been talking about this. We we see stuff with crowds now, and it's just, you're like, oh my God, crowds. It's It's got to that stage. You yeah, I'm really, can't imagine going I'm back, to to that.
0: back in a crowd, but I think the time has to be right. Yeah. And I don't think the time is right. Well, the, the thing
2: is, WrestleMania was like, uh, had four yeah. crowds. It was this. Oh weekend. my goodness. What? It
1: took this long. I was waiting. It took.
2: Honestly, I wasn't really paying attention. To the Twenty-five
1: thousand really was who were there, so it was about a quarter capacity. A yeah, but there were so tons oh, was, of people. There was and no there, social distancing. There was meant no to on. social
2: distancing. No ma- masks were missing a lot of people, so it yeah. wasn't that safe at all. Were
1: they hitting each other with chairs? Yeah, that 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 was just the Scottish folk that were there.
0: Did they not wear the luchador mask? Doesn't uh, don't tights keep in all the COVID? <laughs>
1: Let's get back to talking about ticks and teams on the pitch then. Dallas, 7 in, 10 out, lost some big names, really, and Freddy Vargas, a 22-year-old winger from Venezuela has come in, Sean, a 20-year-old Hungarian who came through the Ajax youth system, that's the main additions, they were 6th last year, Went a very exciting team, I think every year we have Dallas dropping out. I have them again this year dropping out. I, I just I don't think they're going to be be that good.
2: No, they'll have a strong start. And oh then yeah. By they the always do that. yeah, the summertime. the summertime they'll be dropping. I was surprised that they actually. I think the thing whole thing about them last year is obviously there was no start, and so they had no time to drop down. And then I think they were one of the two teams <laughs> that didn't make the tournament, so they were again their their start was more delayed. So basically, their start was in September, or August. So they were, they were. There's no time to drop. So that
1: was true. To... That's very, very true. Yeah. I, I want to turn the attention to Houston, though, because I, I fancy Houston to make the playoffs. I yeah. like their additions. Defensively, they've brought in Timmy Parker. In the midfield, they've brought in Derek Jones from Nashville. They have brought in Joe Corona. They got, they got uh, Corona. Corona, baby um up front or forwards anyway it's like they've got Maxi Iruti who can be very hit or miss and Fafa Pico so bottom last year but they've brought in some strong guys i mean they've lost some big names as well Cabrera Martinez Pena Salazar Garcia uh, Nika Hansen they, they've all moved on but i think they've built good and i think they're going to be contenders this year for yeah, playoffs.
2: I think they they have a chance. They're one of the teams that obviously the like they, I would put them in definitely in the eight nine spot eight spot. Uh they would probably if the Whitecaps are in the seven spot, they'll Houston will be the main contender. And I could see. I I think I said it before where I see six seven eight nine ten being all of that mix to make the playoffs. So I don't. Although while I said they're not going to make the playoffs, I could easily see them making the playoffs.
0: They still have Darwin Quintero
1: though. Yeah, they have a formidable. Yeah. They're, they've always had a great attack. It's just they can't seem to string results together. And they have that new baseball uh, logo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it or as like i the Padres. It, It's Dulwich Hamlet, is what they've gone for. They've just completely ripped off Dulwich Hamlet. Don't confuse people, Mike. Let, let's look at Mini. That's the team that we we feel are going to be strong. Fourth last year. I think the names that they've brought in, Adrian Heath, has done what I want the Whitecaps to do and brought in quality from around the league. You've brought in, in the defence, Yuka Raitala, Montreal captain. Outstanding for Montreal. Good on and off the pitch. In the midfield, Nico Hansen. Will Trapp. Forwards, Juan Agudelo. Key, key experienced additions to an already good Minnesota squad. And then a 31-year-old Tam Stryker from Argentina... Ramon Abia, who scored 23 goals in 48 appearances for Boca Juniors. Exciting prospect. He's a kind of guy that, from previous experience, from other guys, has the potential to light it up in MLS. That's why I'm all in on Minnesota this year.
0: But you haven't talked about how they're going to recover from the huge loss of, of Jose Aja.
1: Yeah. I don't think that's that big a loss. Well, well they
10: brought
2: in Nanaimo's Caleb Montgomery.
10: Yes. Yeah.
0: The the big big loss of them is is uh, Kevin Molino and and how the how that's going to play out, um, because yeah you know he what, was
1: a key key piece for them last their year.
0: Their talisman, yeah. Kai Kamara landed somewhere? I don't know. Yeah, no that I know of. No. So he's still available. Eh? Hmm.
2: I personally think the Apara Boxel combination, and if Montgomery is the third guy or a fourth guy or whoever it is, I think that's fantastic uh, setup there. Um, and then they're, they're keeping, you know, goalkeeping. You do have Dwayne Clair, but um, you also have Tyler Miller there. Um, he's a more obviously, you know, he, and he's not even that old. He's like not even 30 yet. Yeah. They're so
1: stocked there.
2: They're two very good goalkeepers. So I think you, and the, those two guys can push each other. I think they're really strong up the middle basically. And I think that's going to be their, their main focus.
0: One thing to disagree about you on Michael is Yuka Raitala uh, I often found watching him from Montreal he wasn't like quick enough he he didn't have the yeah, pace
1: there there is that
0: so I worry I worry about that especially if he's playing next to Boxel and Opara who mm. are big and not like slow yeah, box
1: boxy's not the quickest although he's he's his improvement from what he was like when he was here to when he came back into the league is like wow
0: yeah but so I, I just I worry about that. They're gonna have to maybe compensate for that with someone yeah. quick in, uh, in defensive midfield who can cover, or or a winger who can overlap in in defense.
2: <laughs> and I, I am concerned that they are getting like like there are like a lot of I know veterans and you know experience is good, but they are getting older. Mm-hmm. And I'm just worried that a, a like a con- congested season like this could tire them down. Like how much does Alonso have left in the tank? He's thirty-six yeah. years old, and so I'm just concerned about that. But they are stacked in quite a few positions where um, they can be very dangerous.
1: Yeah, but I mean th- that's it for the West. There's no other teams I can think of that take part in the Western Conference and that no one worth talking about really. Oh, <laughs> oh, you know they're, there's a couple of Cascadian teams. So let's just lump them together because they're, they're the oh, same thing, really. Totally
2: forgot about them until
1: you mentioned it. <laughs> Seattle, Portland, Seattle, Western Conference champs, MLS Cup runners-up. Been in the MLS Cup for four of the last five years. They've brought in four new players: two ex-White Caps, Freddie Montero, Spencer Ritchie. They've brought in two midfielders, Brazilian João Paulo, mm. Kellen Rowe from New England. A couple of big departures, I guess, like Leerdam's going to Miami, Gustav Swenson's going to China, they've lost Jordan Morris, of course, who was on loan to, to Swansea and is now out with an injury. They still look strong, they still look stacked.
0: I'm surprised you didn't mention your favourite, Ramon Torres.
1: Oh yes, he he has gone. I'm sure he'll return, he seems to just keep coming back like a bad smell. I think jo- I think Joel Powell could be really good for them. Yeah. I think Kellen Rowe is
0: a good addition for them. And I think Brian Smetzer is going to know how to get the best out of the Colombian,
1: unfortunately. He has looked very good for them preseason. season
2: He's got access to his coffee then. I was going to say, it's the coffee.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess since we're we're talking about Freddie, let's just play a little bit of audio from Brian Smetzer this week. Asked by Tom Boger of MLS, just... What he's made of Freddie Montero and his return to the club and what he's expecting from him this
5: season. You know, how is how is Freddie Montero's return to the team kind
7: of, you know, gone so far this preseason? And, you know, what can you say about the, you know, two forward formations that we might be seeing from you guys this year?
4: Uh, great question. Uh, kind of a softball, though, because Freddie's a great player, tremendous player, calls Seattle home. Uh, he's building a house, his family. Uh, it's a It's a really good story. Um, here's the guy that scored the first goal in our club's history in MLS. And now he's choosing to come back to Seattle to end his career. Uh, he has been great in the locker room. Uh, he has been nurturing the young kids. Uh, I can't say enough positive things about Freddie's return.
1: Brian are there just talking a little bit about Freddie Montero. You can be sure he is going to light it up. And you can almost put money on the fact that he's going to score against the Whitecaps at some point this year. I, I wish him well. I do like Freddie. And he was always very generous with his time when we, we wanted to chat with him. Didn't give me a, a free coffee travel mug from his shop though. Gave one to Har, but that's okay. I, I've kind of got over that. Well, not really, but let's move on. Portland, third in the West last year. The one, of course, MLS is back. The, Claudio Bravo has come in. He's a, a TAM defender from Argentina. Jose Carlos Van Ranken, who's a fullback on loan from Mexico. Chilean forward Felipe Mora has permanently signed on a TAM deal. They, they lost Cascante to Austin, Farfan to LAFC, Villafania to LA Galaxy. They still look strong. I mean, they looked good in the CONCACAF Champions League so far. If you're using that as a gauge, but they'll be there or thereabouts. I bet it's the playoffs again. You just have to watch for them because they've got the experience and they know how to win.
2: Yeah, I think they're, uh, they're not at the level of the previous teams we talked about being like we talked about five teams making the playoffs from last year's eight. They're not, there's four teams and then there's Portland. And I think Portland could easily slide into any of that top four positions. If they have a good run, but they're they're kind of like on the outside looking in of that top five.
0: I, I think as Diego Valeri goes, so goes Portland. He's another year older; he's thirty four. I think he is has been and will continue to be the key for them. He's not a I, has been Zach. Uh, I think you guys are right in your assessment in terms of them probably being in like fourth, fifth, sixth kind of spot.
2: I think if Bob Obi oh, say is going to be the key for Portland, yeah. I think if he, I think he could actually elevate. He's like he's hitting like twenty three, twenty four. I think he could be a striker that could, you know, eventually go with Europe.
1: Will be say, Jeremy, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: and like in Seattle, I, I know we we're kind of just talking about it and joking there a little bit, but I do with Morris being out, I think this is a chance for Freddie to shine, and I think he is going to be really, really good and influential for for Seattle.
0: What well, one other thing about Portland? Uh, I really, really don't rate their keepers. Steve yeah, Clark. they've not had good keepers for a while. Steve Clark with that crapping celebration in Columbus, I, he uh, he's not good. And then uh, Antonella is the backup. I don't think those either are good enough to, to carry you where you need to go. And that's-
1: but that is it for our Western Conference preview and predictions. Let us know who you've got for the West. Let us know who you've got for the East as well. Let us know who you think might be the standout team, the surprise package who's going to fall like a ton of bricks, who's going to rise to the top of the table. AFTN Canada on Twitter, AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. So we're going to be turning our attention to the Eastern Conference for the rest of this episode. But before we get to that, let's have a little musical break, a little blast from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for April. 90s American band, blast off country style. This is a song from the 1995 EP In My Arms, and this is You're Mine. <laughs>
11: Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Our Artist of the Month for April here at AFTN, American band from the 90s, blast off country style with their song, You're Mine. So let's get back to the football chat now and we're moving east with our look at the MLS Eastern Conference. Won't be as comprehensive as the West, because we all know the West is best, but there are a few things we do want to talk about that is happening out East, and of course the reigning champions hail from the Eastern Conference Columbus crew. And they're actually kicking off their campaign this weekend with an absolutely fantastic encounter against supporter Shield champs, Philadelphia Union, and there's been a bit of chatter about that this week, it, it's something that... I think a lot of us would like to see as a regular occurrence to to kick off the season. MLS champs against Supporters Shield champs. Do you think that's a good idea? Let us know. For me, the match-up of the weekend is that game between Philadelphia and Columbus. Not according to Inter Miami boss Phil Neville, though. To him, the biggest game this weekend is his team taking on the LA Galaxy, in part because of the Beckham connection, and all the interest that he's had from back home in England, kind of your English manager self-importance there, nowhere near the the biggest game of the weekend for me. I actually threw that out on Twitter as a as a quick poll as well, just to kind of see what what listeners and and readers thought. So, the time we recording this, there's still twelve hours left of the vote for 165 votes in the current standings has maybe a little bit surprisingly. Maybe not, since it's a Canadian site. TFC v Montreal, the Canadian Derby, 41.8%. Columbus, Philadelphia, 32.7%. Miami, LA Galaxy, 13.3%. Then Seattle, Minnesota, 12.1%. I stuck that in because I felt it was like the possible top two in the West meeting the the first game of the season. It's been a couple of write-in votes for Vancouver versus Portland. Just because it's a Cascadian derby. I I still think Columbus Philly is the big one. Both those teams in action this week successfully in CONCACAF Champions League action going through to the quarterfinals. And I want to bring you a little bit of audio now from Philadelphia head coach Jim Curtin. Defending the supporters shield. Just asking him how prepared he feels for this season after having his first experience of CCL action and actually getting competitive games under his belt instead of just friendlies. Here's what he had to tell me. Hi again, Jim. How you doing? This is the first season that you've gone into the season with some meaningful competitive games behind you as opposed to pre-season friendlies. Do you feel that you're seeing the team at a different level than you have going into other seasons? I know your first opponents will be the same, but it's such a competitive conference that you've got in the East. Do you think this is going to give you a little bit of a head start?
7: It's a, it's a great observation, and it is 100% true. Uh, every coach right now that hasn't gotten real live action in an elimination-type game um, like the Champions League is, is wondering what they're going to look like when the opening whistle blows. You know, I think us in Columbus, I think Caleb has a pretty good feel now, as do I. We're both missing a few players and, and with some injuries, but you know, certainly to have the live action, um, at least at the start, uh, I think is an advantage. Talk to me again later in the competition if we continue to advance and you're playing those midweek games uh, with the weekend games. That, then it becomes it can become difficult just with the load. Um, but again, these are games you want to be a part of. Um, so to answer your question, yes, absolutely. That nothing prepares you uh, you know for that opening whistle and, and first kickoff in MLS. Uh, quite like um, elimination games and the the unexpected intensity down in Costa Rica and how hard it is to go on the road with a young group and, and find a way to get a result that can really galvanize you. Um, it certainly did for our group. I can only imagine what it did for, for teams like Toronto who who got a result missing so many key players and in Columbus, uh, the dominant performance that they put on, hopefully they finish things off tonight. Uh, you could look at every, every performance from MLS team so far um, and, and, and maybe they I don't like to use the word comfortable but they've been fairly comfortable so far which is a sign that this league continues to get better and better
1: It certainly is I'm looking forward to this MLS season I think it's going to be a cracker Philadelphia Union head coach Jim Curtin there I don't want to sound like a broken record but every time I speak to Jim Curtin as I always say I really enjoy speaking to, to Jim Curtin He's one of my favourite managers in the league to chat with. So, you've heard our thoughts on the West. We're just going to do a little bit on these. We're not going to delve too much into that because we don't pay that much attention to the East, really, if we're being honest. Definitely listen to episode 439. We've got Eve Powell on that from the Ballers Round Montreal podcast, giving a a great insight into CF Montreal and what to look forward to to them this year after a very, very uh, eventful off-season. Let's just get straight off the, the bat. Who's going to win the regular conference for the East this year, guys?
2: I got Miami winning the East.
1: Oh, that's a bold prediction. Continuing our bold predictions. I was going to say, I thought the bold prediction part was
0: coming, <laughs> coming, gone. Yeah. Who? Do, okay. Uh, for the East,
1: um, I don't think Philadelphia is going to repeat. Uh, They were top last year, right? They were, yes. They won the regular season. Obviously, Columbus are the MLS champs.
0: Yeah, I'm going to put Columbus. I think uh, I like what they've done. I like some of the players they brought in. And uh, I think uh, they're going to have some momentum. I'm going to go with Columbus.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going with Columbus as well. Very short sample size for this season. They looked impressive in Champions League action. And I think they're just going to build on what, they, what they've what they done last year. Philadelphia, I think, will be up and about there. Let's turn our attention to the, the two Canadian sides. So we had Eve in the show last week chatting about Montreal, so we'll come to them shortly. But let, let's start off with TFC. Vannyless Greg Vanny has moved on after a very successful time in, in building the, the team. You've got Chris Armis that come in. He's very highly thought of throughout MLS. When, when you speak to coaches, a lot of them has got a lot of good things to say about him. Mark DeSantis has as well. They've been quiet, to to say the least. They lost Lauren Simon. He's now become assistant manager at Montreal. Tony Gallagher, the only other guy that's moved out. And their only addition, Jordan Perusa, a homegrown They've basically kept the same squad as last year. For now, I'm stunned by that. I'm very surprised by that. I think it's going to hit them hard. You,
0: sh- you shouldn't be because this is the Ali Curtis approach, right? What he was doing, uh, like what he was doing at Deadbolt. This is going to be a very much different Toronto, uh, Toronto organization. Uh, I think there are I think there are people in Toronto who are worried about the, the direction that things are going since. Bechenko left now with Vanny leaving uh, you have Curtis taking over bringing in one of his own and armis uh, long term I, I have a lot of concerns for for Toronto and where they're gonna end up but in terms of those those things I don't think it's um, a huge surprise I think simal is a bit of a addition by subtraction I think he was not great defensively for them um, but i I think they they needed to add some pieces, and particularly at the back. And I don't think they uh, – I, I think they're – I don't think their they're days of battling for silverware uh, are other than the Voyager's Cup, I think, behind them.
2: Yeah, I think they I think they will make the playoffs, but I think they'll have a st- tough start to the season. I think – I see them um, bringing in some players um, in, the, in the summer. Yeah. And I think that's when you're going to see a lot of players because I think they – they feel they probably have the, the the tools to handle the first half. And I don't think they really want to pick scraps. I think they want to get the top players in uh, for the summer. And I think that's where they, you, know, you might see guys like Bradley and Alter move on and they replace them with new players.
0: I can't see them moving on in the summer. Uh, I also think this is a bit of a COVID thing where if you're MLSC, you don't need to spend millions of dollars to get people into the stadium or get them excited. Very yeah, the sense. Yeah, And so why why would, why would you do that? Um, You hope the new coach can tweak things enough to make you competitive. But I, I, as much as I agree with you, Michael, in terms of Chris Armis being, you know, well-spoken with some good ideas. I've listened to some of your conversations that you've shared with him on the podcast. I, I long-term, I just don't see it playing out well.
1: Yeah. I, I think they're going to struggle at the start of, of the season They've got the Champions League to contend with, and it was a great, great result to, to get a draw in Lyon. I know it was fortunate that their goal was an own goal, but, I mean, to get that goal, to take back to the second leg, I mean, they, they kept Lyon at bay, and they looked good. Then the second leg, if anything, was even better. Undermanned, playing with some academy guys, a lot of young guys, inexperienced side out there, came away with a 2-1 win over Lyon, Going through to the next round, they've got a tough tie ahead against Cruz Azul, but just fantastic performance all round, gutsy, considering everything they've been through pre-season, the fact they just haven't been playing, haven't been training, everything like that. And I I got a chance to speak with Chris Armas after that win on Wednesday night against Lyon, just to ask him about the momentum from this going into the, the start of this season this weekend, and a Canadian Derby against Montreal. Here's what you had to tell me. Congratulations on the the win, Chris.
11: Thank
1: you. Playing competitive matches as opposed to preseason friendlies is obviously going to get the team in a much better shape. It's meaningful games. Do you feel this is going to give you a little competitive advantage now at the start of the season? I guess you won't know till you hit the pitch, but. Is that what you're thinking, just from what you've seen from the guys? They're at a different level than from what some of the other teams might be.
11: Yeah, I think it's a good question. But, you know, you, you think about having to prepare for these types of matches early on. There's positives and negatives, right? Like we're, we're forced to push the envelope, right? We're representing Canada in this tournament. We, we have that privilege and we have to go to Mexico difficult circumstances, you know, we have injured, there's, cer- there's certain things that are working against us, but as we've tried to push the intensity of training e- each day and each week, we've had some injuries along the way, right? So that it just, as much as you get this playoff type mentality early on, which is a big plus, um, we've, we've, uh, taken some hits too along the way, but we made no qualms about, it. we were going after it. So we were, we were going to push And I think we prepared the team and and the guys, you know, deserve that credit, right? What, what an effort, but um, yes, either way, we, 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 we internally from Bill Manning, Ali Curtis, we said, we're going to go after this tournament, but as the head coach, I mean, I'm in on that and, and driving that messaging and pushing it every day. I was expecting momentum after this win, lose the momentum that would carry into the MLS season. Especially, uh, you know, getting young young players valuable minutes. This is going to help us move forward. So Chris Arm
1: there talking about the momentum that he feels this Concacaf Champions League run, these games against Leon is going to give his team, whether they had won it or lost it or whatever. Just he felt they were going to get a bump going into the new season, and I guess we'll we'll see exactly what that looks like on Saturday. But as for how the rest of the season plays out, I guess that is gonna be an interesting one to watch. I feel they needed to make a couple of additions that they haven't made. I agree with Steve, I think they will then make those additions in the summer. Could be a white cap situation as well, that it's hard to get a guy to join when you're gonna be then living in Florida for who who knows how long. So I mean they may have had the same issues. Montreal, on the other hand, they've not really had the issues with that regard, but I think they're going to struggle initially and it's going to be a real battle for them to make the playoffs because the East looks really, really strong this season. I think they will. I think they'll get in maybe sixth or seventh. And then this is the kind of team that can raise the game and they've got the difference makers that can can do it when it gets the playoff and the experience and he, to get there.
0: Exactly. They have the experience
1: of it. You just have to make the playoffs ultimately in MLS and then it's a whole different season after that. Mm-hmm. Now Montreal, quickly look at them. Nine players in, eleven players out. They they've lost some some key pieces. Boyan moved on. Uh, Ritala he they let his contract expire and he went down to the Western Conference. Eruti's gone. I mean, Ritala's a big blow. It's their captain. He's gone to Minnesota. They they've lost some interesting pieces there. They. They renewed some of the loan deals that, that they had. They brought in Kamal Miller, that I think is a great addition defensively. Uh, in the midfield, they've got Mihailovic, who's highly thought of in the American program. Bjorn Johnson up front is a guy that's done it all over Europe in the top leagues. Um, just, uh, nothing to think that he's not going to do it in MLS. And of course, Zach's favorite son. <laughs> or one of, the, one of them, I don't know. It just Eric it, You total, it, you're like Eric. Yeah, who doesn't like Eric Gardano? A good guy to have off the bench. I mean, Steve. Then, what do you think of Montreal? They've got a new coach. Eve mm. feels that they're too young a team, and this is going to be a season of struggle for them. I, I agree disagree? with that.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I think. It, I don't think they. I don't see them making the playoffs because the East is pretty strong too. Um, I don't see them making the playoffs. I not see them being as competitive. Uh, there'll be less handballs. Uh, this year. Uh, but other than that, I think they they should be fine. It's just a matter, and they got to get used to the new team, too, team name. They got to find their new identity.
0: Yeah, it, it's too bad Joe's not here for you for that. That was all for Joe. That was um, for Joe. We'll we'll oh, bring Joe. that up for next Sunday. Joe, I miss Joe. Um, looking looking forward to seeing him one day. Yeah, Montreal. I agree with I agree with what you said, Steve, in terms of struggling, uh, not being a playoff team. I I think. <laughs> The fact that they, the way they went about changing the identity of the club uh, couldn't be a worse time with not having people in the stadium and not having them to be excited about some stuff and then making all these other big changes. I think I think if they known like 100% that Thierry Henry wasn't going to be there this year, I don't think they would have made these changes at this time. Personally, mm-hmm. I might be wrong. I don't think so. Um, Michael, I really enjoyed... You asking MDS about about the change?
1: Um, yeah, I've wanted to do it for a while, and I didn't want to do it on one of the main media calls because I yeah. I like to have that as a, our exclusive stuff.
0: It was really it was really good, and I I I, I agree with I agree with Mark. Uh, like we've talked about before, this was you 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 jettisoned a, a, a whole the whole history of the club, all for the sake of marketing, all for the the sake of of money, it, and. When you but had some, you had something that North American football clubs long for, you had history. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I, I don't, I don't think Montreal is going to to make the playoffs. I, I think it's going to be a season of struggle for them. If Johnson can light it up for them, though, that might be the thing that tips them over. And like I say I really like Kamal Miller's addition; that really solidifies their their back line. It looks uh, another highly competitive season in the East with very little room for error. And of course, Montreal, as we mentioned, have a new head coach at the helm. It's a transition. He's learned a lot under Thierry Henry. He's brought those same philosophies into the team this season. That man, of course, is Wilfried Nancy. Here's a little bit from him just chatting about this season to come. What are you expecting from the Eastern Conference this season it's always a very competitive conference there's a lot of teams that didn't make the playoffs last year that's made some big splashes to get in just how competitive do you feel your team's going to be and just what what do you think you'll make off the east this year
10: uh, we know that uh, with the uh, east conference it's um, a lot of team can make the playoffs. so us what we want to do is to be a part of the the, the seven team to make the playoffs so again it's a process the player knows that we have to win a a certain uh, numbers of game to make the playoffs. But again, we have a vision. We have a clear vision about what we want to do. And uh, every game is gonna be different. We know that. And the objective is to get a kind of a history of victory uh, to give confidence to the player to go forward, to move forward. So this is the plan. But what I want also is uh, to see my team improve about what we want to do. This is the most important because we know that if they do well on that, if they respect the concept, if they enjoy about what we want to do with the ball and without the ball, the consequence will be the playoff. But we know also that it's going to be tough because this is the reality. But they are ready to um, to do this challenge.
1: Montreal head coach, Welfred Nancy there. Certainly got a tough task on his hands to get the impact back into the playoffs you feel this year. Can see Toronto just making it I can see Montreal not making it. Any surprise packages for you guys in the east? I I guess Steve's got Miami since he's got them winning the whole thing.
2: But I also have uh, another surprise would be I don't know how much of a surprise but I think New England Revolution is going to be
1: huge this year. Oh yeah, I mean Bruce Arena guy
2: that's been there, done that. I don't know if they're bothered to make, win the whole thing, but I think they'll, they can make some run in the playoffs like Columbus did this year,
1: last year. For me, it's Nashville. Again, I don't know how big a surprise that is since they finished seventh last year, but I think they're going to build on that, and I think they're going to be top top four, top five in the East. I would like to see that from Nashville. Uh, New England, I was thinking the same thing and a, a few
0: days ago or a while ago. I was looking at uh, the, the comings and goings of their squad, and I was surprised at how many... Like stalwarts of that team are now yeah. gone under Bruce Arena. So it, I think, I think Steve, it could go either way. It could be like you say, like they, they're the, Yeah, they I think,
2: I, I think he made these changes to get better. That's essentially yeah. what he did. So uh, it's just a matter of whether they find that chemistry. But it, and Bruce, but it feels Bruce a, little is, bit, a little bit risky. Yeah. But Bruce Arena has always been good at bringing players together from like when they've changed massive changes they the read. The key, thing I think he's. I think he's kept the key players he likes, and he's bringing in players that he wants to elevate, help those players elevate.
0: The key thing, the most exciting thing for me was, when I looked at it, it, it does look like Tejon Buchanan is going to play a significant role yes. for them.
1: Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Who have you got to make the MLS Cup from the East? I, I'm sticking with Columbus. I think they're going to come to, no, back uh, again.
2: I, yeah, I have Columbus as well. It's just the, I felt the regular season is different, and I don't yeah. know if Columbus will um, play up to the top Part in the, but I think Columbus is the strongest
0: team. I want to provide a contrarian option, but I too am going to go with Caleb Porter's
1: Columbus Crew. Again, a guy that knows how to win in this league and been there and done it. And I don't, I don't think, I, I, I feel some folk don't value that MLS experience as much as it is because it is a very unique league to win. And if you can win in this league, it's something that you're going to do again and again.
2: But I, I I got some, like, there's a lot of teams that could surprise, like Orlando could surprise,
1: Orlando, New England.
2: Um uh, What was the other team I was thinking of?
1: Orlando had a good year last year, and it depends what Perea, if he can take them and, to the next level, I guess.
2: And I don't know if it's a surprise, but uh, and nobody talks about Atlanta, seems like, anymore, but
1: they could oh, yeah. they <laughs> win it all
2: out too. So it, it's, it's a lot of teams men. there. Yeah, there's a lot of teams in there. And if, if Toronto does... Do the opposite of what Zach is saying, and they bring in some changes in the summer. They could be somebody that in the playoffs, once they get to that, they could shock
1: everybody too. Totally. So,
0: Who's the coach again in Atlanta again? No,
1: Gabriel Heinze. Oh yeah,
0: Argentine, Argentine.
1: World Cup star. Yeah, good man,
2: good man.
0: No, he's dirty. He's got hair. He's got crazy hair. Let's see if he's. Yeah. Oh yeah, he
2: doesn't. Oh, they did beat Chattanooga. Oh yeah, he played
1: for Steve's United for like four years. That's why I don't like him. Mm. So, Gabriel Heinza doesn't do interviews in English, so no audio from him on the show, but I have got a little bit off Atlanta audio. After their win in CONCACAF Champions League action, I asked Brooks Lennon pretty much the same thing that I asked Jim Curtin at the top of this part, just how he feels this preparation in this competition has got Atlanta ready for the MLS season to come. Here's what he told me. Having these competitive, meaningful games before the MLS season gets underway, how much better prepared do you feel this has the team going into the season and what's going to be a busy first month compared to just playing the usual friendlies?
5: It's so important. um, Playing these two first games uh, before even our first MLS game um, is is so good mentally for us, uh, physically as well. To be able to play in real, meaningful games um, and to qualify for the, for the next round is, is big time from, from us. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely helps a lot, whereas other MLS teams are just playing, you know, friendlies, which are, are not even close to uh, as competitive as these games are. So it, it's definitely a competitive advantage for us. And uh, we're happy to be in Champions League uh, this year.
1: Atlanta United's Brooks Lennon there.
5: Okay, so our final
1: bold prediction before we wrap this show up. The five MLS teams had fantastic showings in the CONCACAF Champions League this week. All five progressing through to the quarterfinals. Is this the season that an MLS team finally wins the CONCACAF Champions League? No. No. Uh, it was a nice start to
0: the thing for them for the campaign, but I agree, Steve. No, well,
1: I'm going to be contrarian and say yes. Who is it going to be then, Michael? Caleb Porter. You know, I kind of think possibly a lot is really going to depend on the priority that they give to it, and like Caleb spoke about this in the 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 press conference after the draw. It's like they're they're going for it. But then so are Portland. Savarese said that this is a priority for them. So if teams are really, really prioritising that, it might help the Whitecaps next week if they decide to rest a few of the guys. But um, I, I can see one of the teams doing it. It's all up to the Mexican teams, of course, and how well they perform. But, but TFC have put one of the teams out. There's only three Mexican teams now in the quarterfinals. TFC face another one, Cruz Azul, in that quarterfinal matchup. It's all really going to be dependent, I guess, on on how these Mexican teams do. They still have to be the favourites. But I, I've enjoyed the competition so far. I really can't wait to, to the next round. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Our look at the Eastern and Western MLS conferences. Hope you've enjoyed it. I, I've really enjoyed this show. I've enjoyed putting it together. Enjoyed all the little chats, jumping on the, the calls that MLS have had this week. I mean, MLS gets a lot of stick, and rightly so, for a, for a number of reasons. But I've got to say, their PR team has been fantastic this week, putting all these calls together, got to ask quite a few questions to a number of coaches and players. It just, it helps grow the league, it helps grow interest in the league. So I hope you've enjoyed it. We've still got more to come this week. We've got our preview show coming out tomorrow. Joe Deezy, Peter Hicken, looking forward to Vancouver versus Portland on Sunday. Then don't forget, on Sunday, we are going to have our live watch along on YouTube. So please make sure you subscribe, turn on notifications, youtube.com backslash AFT in Canada. You'll know when we go live. We're kind of aiming, I think, for 7.15, if it is what I'm expecting it to be, like a 7.20 kickoff. So please join us for that. We'll also have a podcast coming out on Monday, just kind of looking back at the game, and we've got some other fun audio things that I've been putting together this week. But just before we go, guys, let everyone know where they can find you online.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Speed.
1: You can find me back on Twitter at Zachary AM. You can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada, read our stuff on the website AFTN.ca and as I said give us a follow on YouTube AFTNCanada and Instagram aftnSoccer. Soccer. As always, thank you so much for listening, take care and stay safe guys, and on the caps!
9: Go into your first match